A Marine Who Home Birthed Her First Baby. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Pure Doula podcast. I'm your host, Catherine, the Pure Doula. On this week's episode, I have my friend Abigail as my very first guest, like the very first guest ever on this podcast. And I'm super pumped about it, kind of nervous because I've never like had someone on, obviously, <laughs> but it's really exciting. Um, Abigail will tell us all about herself. And the reason why I have her on here is to share her home birth story, which, again, is super exciting. Um, I do want to say that the audio kind of dips in and out in the beginning and then like here and there throughout it. So please bear with me, pull through, listen along. Um, You know, like I said, I'm still new to all this. Exactly. See, Mercy agrees. (laughs) So hang with me while I chat it up. This is the Pure Doula Podcast. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'd like to thank Instagram for connecting me to Abigail. We know Instagram's not always the greatest, but it is great at some things like this. We somehow found each other months back and followed one another and quickly became friends. Even though we've never met, because we do live like multiple states away from each other, we share a lot of the same interests and even personality traits, which led us to talking literally every day. I think we are in each other's DMs (laughs) constantly, (laughs) sending voice and messages and all that and um, I know Abigail will agree with me on this Instagram voice notes need to be way longer if you've ever done one in DMs really frustrating because I don't pay attention to the time countdown or whatever and I just be talking and trying to send these voice notes and next thing I know it's like uh it hasn't even been recorded because it's only been it has been a minute. So yeah, <laughs> if you've ever done those, I'm sure you can relate to that. If not, I don't know. Don't even waste your time, maybe. But anyway, let me have Abigail introduce herself to you all. So hello, hello, hello. Hi, thank you so much <laughs> for having me. I'm so excited to do this podcast with you. I Like I've told you, I have never been interviewed on a podcast, um, and I love sharing my home birth story, so I'm so happy to be here and to talk to you about it. Yay! Thank you for yes, and for doing this, and I guess it's a lot of firsts for both of us, which is <laughs> um, So why don't you give the 411, if that's what people still say nowadays, I don't know, the 90s are cool again, so maybe they do. <laughs> But <laughs> who is Abigail? Who are you? What do you do? Where have you been? What have you done? This and that. For those who don't know. Well, um, currently I am a stay-at-home mother to a beautiful baby boy, Arthur. Um, and I am married to my best friend. We've been together nice. since um, 2013. Um, and we got married in 2016. So we're going on 10 years together. Wow. Uh, 
I was in the Marine Corps for four years. I joined when I was 19 years old. Um, and I actually got out in 2018 this year. It's been four years since I've been out. So that's insane how time flies. Yeah, for <laughs> um, real. But I did two years. I was stationed overseas in Okinawa, Japan. Um, and then two years I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, I did an administrative job. I worked in supply. And so not too fun, but, you know, <laughs> being in the Marine Corps was a huge an amazing worldly experience, you know, being able to stand on my own two feet at such a young age and also, you know, being able to experience the world and see a totally different culture. And, you know, it's different than like going on a vacation where you usually only stay for a week or so. I was actually able to live in Japan for two years. So I was really able wow. to kind of immerse myself in the culture. And I was lucky enough to work with a couple of Okinawan nationals and um, Wakako-san specifically, I worked with her every day and she was just so welcoming and so nice. And we talked every day. And even though the language barrier was a little difficult <laughs> at certain circumstances, we were both very patient with each other. And it was just nice to learn from her. Um, but currently I'm going to school to um, be, well, I'm, I'm a history major. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with my degree at the moment. Um, I don't want to teach. That's a hard no for me. <laughs> uh, I would be okay with teaching in like a homeschool co-op or like a smaller nice. setting or even private school, but public school is a hard pass. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I, I think in the long run, I probably would like to work with preservation, um, with artifacts. Um, I would like for my history program or my history degree to take me internationally as well, because I love experiencing other cultures and other parts of the world. Um, I specifically gravitate a lot towards uh, World War II history, um, specifically pertaining to the Holocaust. Um, so I would like to pursue maybe an undergraduate in Holocaust studies. Um, and I love to read, I love to knit, I love to garden. I'm kind of like a smorgasbord, if you will. <laughs> we have the homestead, so we're looking into um, properties within the next couple of years to nice. buy some land, get us some dairy cows and some more chickens and probably turkeys and expand on our garden. So we have a lot of we have a lot of goals and aspirations for ourselves and our family. So sounds amazing. That's definitely I think the American dream in this day and age is just having what you said, you know, family, land, garden, chickens, you know, all that where you can live. I feel like how we're supposed to live. Right. Garden now is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And very impressive. Like, I really enjoyed watching that on your stories and like learning because that stuff is hard. <laughs> For oh, sure. Yeah. It's definitely been a learning curve and a learning experience as well. I mean, I remember gardening with my grandmother when I was really young, but I was like five years old and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And by the time I got to the age where I wanted to learn about growing my own food and the importance of, you know, knowing where your food comes from, unfortunately, my grandmother had passed. And so I kind of missed that opportunity to ask her all of those questions. And so kind of had to learn the hard way when I started gardening. Yeah. you know didn't well, really have anyone to ask questions or get guidance from so it's definitely been a learning experience but it's so rewarding so rewarding oh I bet and I'm sure she's with you 
in spirit, you know, fully. Yeah, she's actually the one I told you her name was Catherine. And so whenever we have a girl, Lord willing, uh, we're going to name her Catherine. So beautiful. I'm sure she's an amazing woman. Oh. All right. Well, I do want to just get right into it. Um, I, I just love hearing home birth stories. And I know you've shared yours with me here and there a few times, you know. So can you just like dive right in and tell us exactly how went? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my estimated due date was actually November 27th. Um, and I know that just from my own research, it's like less than 4% of women who actually um, either go into labor or birth their babies on their due date. Um, so I was totally not expecting. I actually thought Arthur was going to come sooner than his due date. I told people for weeks um, that, you know, he's going to come early. I think he's going to come early. And I think part of that is because I had a lot of pelvic pressure in mm. the last like month or two months of pregnancy. And he dropped fairly quickly. Um, I was seeing a chiropractor the whole time I was pregnant and he, um, you know, reassured me that Arthur was head down in the proper position for quite a while. He was head down from like the end of my second trimester. So like my whole third trimester, he was already head down. So I just thought he was like already ready to come out. <laughs> I thought he was right. Early. Um, but November 27th, I was a little tired in the afternoon. So I went to take a nap and I just could not fall asleep. So I ended up just laying there for a couple of hours. And I realized at 3 p.m. I started having these. I thought they were cramps because, of course, I've never birthed a baby before. So I had no idea what to actually expect. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I thought the same. I'm like, this feels like I'm getting my period or something. <laughs> like, right. I was like, is this is this real? Is this a, like what yeah. is this? So I just laid there for um, I think it was about an hour or two and just. After about 30 minutes, I started like timing them because they were consistent. Um, and after two hours, they just started to get a little more intense. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to see if this is the real deal. And so mm. my husband was already home. Um, and it was about like 4.30 p.m. And we decided to just go walk laps in our backyard. Our neighborhood doesn't have any sidewalk. Um, and there's like really nothing to lean on. So if I was actually having contractions, like I thought it would be best if we were in the backyard so we could lean on like the fence or, you know, we have like chairs and stuff and a little fire pit area. So we ended up walking laps in our backyard for probably about two, three hours. Um, and it was around 8 p.m. that I ended up calling my sister. Um, at the time, she was living with us, and she was going to be a part of our home birth, and she was actually at work. So um, I gave her a call. I let her know, like, things are starting to pick up. I think this is the real deal. So she came home, and that was probably around 7 or 8 p.m. Um, but again, this whole time, we're just walking, laps in the backyard. Every time I did have a contraction, um, I would just lean against the fence and my husband applied like counter pressure to my hips. He would either put his hands on either sides of my hip and squeeze, or he would mm. almost like put his hands on the top of my hips and like push down just to give like some counter pressure, which was yeah. a huge relief during my contractions. Um, 
and for we have like a couple of steps in our backyard as well so I was just doing lunges up the steps and just walking up and down um and then when my sister got home we ended up moving indoors and I sat on my pregnancy ball in the living room for a while we ended up putting a a comedy show on I think it was Dave Chappelle actually amazing Um, (laughs) just like get my mind off things I love humor I love comedy so yeah we had that playing in the background and uh I sat on my pregnancy ball walked laps around our house um my doula that we um had contracted with for my birth lived about an hour away so we didn't want things to get too far along before we called her um so it was around I think at 9 p.m that we ended up letting her know like I think this is the real deal and she was super amazing she had messaged me immediately and she was on call for the two weeks leading up to our due date um And she was like, do you want me to come? Do you still want your space? Um, You know, she was very much like, what do you want? She was never intrusive. She was so supportive of whatever we wanted. Um, And it was around like 9, 30, 10 that we told her, you can come on and head over. You know, we knew it was going to be an hour before she would get there anyways. Um, And I'm not sure if it was just the comfort of her being there, but the minute she got to our house, which was 11, 11 30 PM things just like really intensified. So wow. we had set up um, our bedroom and bathroom to be like our birth area. So we hung up twinkle lights. Um, we got blackout curtains. Cause I didn't know if I was going to be laboring at night or during the day. Um, I printed out pictures of like my, um, my grandmothers um, and specifically mm-hmm. my great grandmother Axel she had 12 children and she birthed 10 of her 12 children at home. Wow. I had a picture of her in our birth room as well, just to, you know, and I felt like I couldn't do it. I looked at her and I was like, if she can do 10, I can do one, get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, and we also had uh, my doula had made these like birth affirmations that she hung up in the room for us as well. And they were just like, you can do this. Your body is designed to do this. Um, every wave brings you closer to your baby. Um, mm. So all these different things that were just incredibly supportive. We also had um, some essential oils going just to kind of relax the room. So we had lavender going. Um, we have like a gardener tub. So it's a little bit bigger and a little deeper than like a regular bathtub. Mm. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, easier for cleanup. Um, for me, I took a lot of baths in my third trimester cause it was very relaxing. So I just thought, um, that was going to be relaxing. And I read a lot of experiences of women who said that water can be like, kind of like an epidural where it offers a lot of comfort and kind of removes some of that pain. Um, but I was not expecting to be as large as an elephant <laughs> at the end <laughs> of my third trimester. So the tub was like very uncomfortable. I so big it was hard for me to get into a comfortable position um but while we were just in that in-between stage before I was actually pushing um I really was just like kind of flip-flopping from the tub to the toilet um to being like on all fours to my pregnancy ball um so I was just I was just so uncomfortable. I just kept trying to move to find something that was comfortable and I'd find something that was comfortable for a couple of minutes and then it wouldn't be comfortable anymore. So I just kept moving. Um, And then 
I just remember it was probably at this point, it was probably like one in the morning. And I just had this sudden urge that just completely washed over me that I needed to push. And Mm. I was in the tub at the time. And I was like, I cannot push in here. I'm incredibly uncomfortable. So I need to get out of the tub. Um, So they helped me out of the tub. I ended up the minute I like stood up fully, I ended up having a contraction. Um, and my doula and my husband ended up kind of like catching me because I was like half out of the tub, half in the tub. Um, oh my goodness. And I just ended up like going straight to all fours on the floor, handled that contraction. And then I got up and we moved to my bed and we bought a peanut ball for birth. We didn't know if we were going to use it or not, but ended up using it. Highly recommend one. Loved it. Um but I ended up just laying on my side on the, on the bed and I had a peanut ball in between my legs and I would just, every 30 minutes, I would flip from my left side to my right side. And it was around two in the morning that I started having actual like pushes. And it was almost like that fetal ejection reflux reflex where my body was just pushing for me without me even really trying. And I just remember that I was like, I had my eyes shut. I remembered reading in Ina Mae Gaskin's book that um, the tightness in your mouth and your jaw is directly connected to the tightness in your pelvic floor. So whenever I was having a contraction, everyone in my birth team, my husband, my sister, and my doula would just remind me like, relax your face, relax your jaw. Um, I just had my eyes shut and I just was using these like low toned, like primal noises Mm. Um, and my body would like push for me like I could physically feel my stomach push and Arthur would I could feel him push downward and right as my body was pushing I would push with it so I would let my body almost like tell me like hey we're gonna push now and then I would just start pushing with my body Um, I was only pushing actively for I think like 45 minutes um Arthur came out like after that initial, you know, first 30 minutes of me pushing and feeling Arthur really like move down. Um, the last 15 minutes, it was very fast. Um, it was two pushes and Arthur's head was out and one push and Arthur's whole body was out. And I just remember when I was pushing, I had my eyes shut like the whole time. <laughs> I was oh. just in my own world. I was in total labor, la la land. Um, and then when Arthur's head came out, I just instinctively, I moved my hand down and I could feel his head and I was just like, okay, you're almost done. (laughs) And next thing I knew his whole body was out and I finally opened my eyes and I literally, the first thing I did was I looked at my husband and I was like, holy guacamole did this just happen like we (laughs) just birthed our baby in our house in our bed in our room like I just cannot I was just totally like awestruck and like my husband's face was was just so funny he was like both in shock and in like pure happiness at the same time like we were both just like smiling at each other and we just had like total surprise look like I don't think there was any doubt that we could do it but the fact that we did I, we were both just like completely in awe and Arthur started crying immediately we didn't even have to you know, we didn't have to like pat on his back or anything. He just like immediately started crying and I picked him up 
and I put him on my chest and we left him connected to the umbilical cord for about an hour. Um, and I want to say it was like 15, 20 minutes after he was born that my placenta just fell out. It just, I mean, it just wow. wiggled its way out by itself. I did push a little bit when I, I almost felt it like drop in my uterus. Um, and then I, when I could feel it was like starting to come out, I pushed a little bit and it just came out. And like I said, we had him connected for, um, about an hour before we cut the cord. Um, we didn't bathe him. That burnix is good for him. Yes. (laughs) we, We just rubbed it in. Um, and truthfully, I don't even think we gave Arthur a bath until he was close to a month old. I mean, nice. Don't get dirty. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We just think it was weird. I mean, and like, I think that's what we've just done ever since I got pregnant was we've just tried to parent and make decisions that felt right for our family and like home birth felt right for our family. And, you know, letting him stay attached to the umbilical cord for an hour felt right for our family. And, you know, so all of these things, and they ended up working out best for us. And so, you know, I don't ever want to push what worked best for us on a I'm a huge advocate and just recommending to people do what feels right for your family. Don't let other people push you and coerce you into decisions um, because it's your family. And at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, that's the choice that you made for your family. And it's the responsibility is not going to be on anyone else. Um, But it was, I mean, it was so amazing that afterwards um, I took a shower in my own home (laughs) and I was able to, you know, go into my kitchen and, get myself some food <laughs> when I was done. Like I was on total cloud nine. Cool. I like was walking around. Um, you know, my doula stayed for a couple hours after just to make sure that we were okay. And if we needed anything. Um, and then we went to sleep with Arthur in our bed and it was just a total like cloud nine experience. And we absolutely cannot wait to do it again. And that is just so amazing. Like everything about it you know, from like your husband being involved and helping by just pressing on your hips, you know, being there, which is so cool because like a lot of the hospital settings, uh, all the nurses and everything there, sometimes the husband kind of is like pushed out of the way, you know, part of it as much as he should or would like. So for you, the both of you to be able to just together is really, really cool. And everything about like, oh, the whole time, like, ah! <laughs> you know, like just so beautiful and amazing. And, and it, it makes me wonder, like, did you always want a home? How did you guys come to that? Or when did you decide that? So uh, my husband learned very early on that I am not the woman you say no to. (laughs) Uh, When I am set on something, I'm not changing my mind. And Mm. if you don't want to be a part of it, you can absolutely remove yourself, but that's not going to (laughs) change what I'm going to do. I, when I was young, when I was a teenager, um, I lost eight family members and Mm. The vast majority of them ended up in a hospital and then had passed away. And so at a really young age, I had connected death and sick people to hospitals. And Mm. never once in my life have I ever thought, even prior to all of this, 
research into home birth and having our own home birth, I have never thought that pregnant women are sick. And so I have this connection that you only go to a hospital if you're sick or you're dying and pregnant women aren't sick or dying. So why -hmm. would they go to a hospital? Um, And so immediately when we found out um, that we were pregnant, I just, I'm a big researcher and I'm a big reader. So I just immediately dove into books. Um, And I want to say that I was leaning towards home birth, but I had no idea. I had never even read about it. I'd never met somebody who had a home birth. Um, But I just knew immediately that I did not want to birth in a hospital. Um, We looked into a birthing center and that's just not something that we could afford. Um, Mm -hmm. We looked into midwives and because of everything with COVID, nobody was wanting to birth in a hospital. So even I started looking into getting a midwife when I was 14 weeks along and I contacted six or seven midwives and midwife centers. All of them were booked out well past my due date. Wow. Um, and midwives in the state of North Carolina are, I don't know why, but they're pretty skeptical about home births. So even if you do find that is available for your due date, they're just very skeptical about doing home births. And I, I partially think that's because midwives nowadays very sucked into modern medicine um Mm. they're just like a branch of modern medicine where they're dictated to laws and and regulations by the state um you know like most midwives can't be a part of your birth if you're past 42 weeks which i think is so ridiculous um so we had a really hard time finding a midwife we couldn't afford a birth center um so really we were like well I guess our only option is home birth. And for me, I was like, okay, hospital is not on the, on the plate. A hospital is not an option. So, um, after we decided home birth, initially my husband was a little skeptical. Um, I had mentioned to you before that my husband's grandparents, um, so his dad's parents were born and raised in the Netherlands and out of all like Westernized countries, the Netherlands has the highest home birth rate. And my husband has never really, you know, he's never seen home birth. He never talked about it with his family. When I mentioned to my father-in-law and his parents that were thinking about a home birth, um, his grandmother, Oma, was just totally on board immediately. She was like, oh, you know, my mother birthed all of us at home. And she still has uh, siblings that live in the Netherlands. And she was like, you know, my sister has birthed all of her kids at home. And so they were just incredibly supportive about it. There was no fear. They didn't even doubt me for a second. They were just like, this is amazing and you can do it. And wow, so I think that also helped a lot with both me feeling comfortable with it and also Nick feeling comfortable with it. And then from there, I just dove into research. I bought all kinds of books. Um, I watched tons and tons of videos on YouTube um, of home birth blogs. Um, I found accounts. Uh, there's a podcast called Happy Home Birth. I listened to ton- tons and tons of their podcasts. Um, and really, any information that I thought was important for Nick to know, my husband, um, I just shared with him because I knew that he was going to be a part of the birth experience. I didn't want him to be completely blind walking into this. Mm. Um, and so we had multiple sit downs where 
we talked about, you know, if this happens or, you know, if we need to leave, if we need to go to a hospital, um, you know, what are the circumstances? Like you talk about a lot having a birth plan. I was very adamant and very clear about what my birth plan was. Um, I sat down with my sister, my husband and my doula to have an in-depth conversation about what I wanted. Um, and so, you know, really, I think through all of that, every little step of it made my husband feel a little bit more comfortable with us having a home birth. And I think, you know, it was great that he really just trusted me to prepare myself. He knew that if I wanted to have a home birth, I would do the research, I would educate myself, I would be prepared for it. And so I think, you know, that really also helped me too, that he was just very trusting that he knew I would do what I needed to do and he would be here to support it all the way. It's amazing. It's so amazing. And the fact that, you know, what and how not only um, was your great grandmother that home birthed, correct? Like 10 children? Yep. Children? Yeah. And then his family, you know, back in the Netherlands as well. And just having so much support and no pushback, I feel like how once you go back. And I'm sure helped you feel much more comfortable with all of this, like you were saying. And it's just, it's just so, you definitely sound like you did a lot of work to prepare. Um, but I, and I don't want to call it work because like, I don't know, it's like good stuff to do, you know, like right. who wouldn't want to know all this stuff. <laughs> right. You know, and I think if you're having a home birth, you know, you, you're, you're not, you, you don't have the option to fall back on a doctor. You don't have right. the option to fall back on healthcare providers that can help in quote unquote sticky situations. So, you know, and I was so in my head about like, what if we need to be transferred to a hospital and a doctor is like, well, this is what you get for having a home birth or this. And <laughs> right. So I like, I just didn't even want to hear it from anybody. So I tried my best to, you know, prepare as much as I could and read a ton and it was funny because in the midst of all of this, when I think I was in my second trimester, um, my husband's mother's mother, so his side, um, she was like one of five kids or one of six kids. And she is 92 years old. She's still alive wow. today. God bless. God bless her. Um, yeah, she still sometimes drives herself to church. Oh, if I make gosh. it to 92, I better be in her shape. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but she sat down with um, one of her daughters recently and just was talking to her about like her childhood and her upbringing, just to have some of this on record for her family and her kids to share and, you know, with the grandkids and whatnot. And all six of the kids were born at home in mm huge I think it was like a hundred acre farm that she grew up on and the last the sixth kid that they had which was her youngest sister um she and the mother and the little baby needed to be transported to a hospital for whatever reason after the home birth um and it's just interesting because she mentioned that in order to pay off the bill that they owed at the hospital um they paid the hospital in potatoes (laughs) Like they didn't have the money to pay the bill, but they ran this hundred acre farm and they had acres and acres of potatoes that they planted each year. So they paid the hospital in bags of potatoes. I just thought that was so funny to read. Like how I love that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Could you imagine going to a hospital today and be like, I want to pay for my birth in potatoes? Would would you take that? (laughs) (laughs) For real. But I feel like that too, it was probably like hospital to begin with for them to accept. You know, like they weren't like this money pay, wanting to do all these crazy things and charge all this money and all that. They're like, you know, we helped you and this wonderful food that we can feed our patients with or our staff with and I don't know I think that's really cool very very well, cool. like today you know and if you have a natural birth in a hospital the price you know that bill could range from eight thousand dollars to twenty five thousand you know even eight thousand dollars worth of potatoes is a lot of potatoes <laughs> so like, even the cost of things have just completely drastically changed since then I mean I'm assuming her, she was born, um, you know, around the 1930s, 1940s. So her okay. youngest sister would have been born around that same time, too. So we're looking at almost a century ago. But, man, have things changed. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Wow, that's really cool, though. Very, very cool. Um, so I love that you told us what you read and listened. Was there, do you think, like, one thing that stuck out the most that helped you be um, prepared? So there's definitely three books that I would recommend to any pregnant woman, whether she wants to have a home birth or not. Um, Unassisted Childbirth, which I can't remember the last name of the author, but her first name is Laura. Um, it was just such an amazing read. Um, the, the author of the book actually had five children, all of them born at home. And she is remarkable because her first child that she had at home, um, her husband was involved with the home birth and everything. But the subsequent four other children, she birthed totally by herself. Wow. And even the the fifth child she had, she actually, you know, obviously by the fifth child, you know exactly what's happening. You know exactly when you're going into labor, you know, your body just knows. And yeah. the fifth child, she wanted to have completely by herself so she actually sent her husband like somewhere to the store to something um the minute she went into labor because she wanted the whole house to herself like she didn't even want power right she just you know husband came home and she was like baby number five's here (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it was just so insane and she spoke about um experiences from other women all around the world who have birthed their babies not just at home, you know, she had mentioned a story of a woman, um, I want to say this was in the 1950s or 1960s, um, but it was a woman uh, in an Asian country who was working in a rice field and she was pregnant and mm. she walked over to the to the woods, birthed her baby outside and then nice. strapped that baby to her body and rice field. Oh like, my our goodness. So capable of such amazing things. Um and so that book was amazing. I read it actually twice while I was pregnant. Um, Cause I think the first time I read it, I was in my first trimester. And the second time I read it, I read it closer to birth just because it was so good for my mental state preparing for labor. Um, other really amazing book was Ida Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. Um, oh yeah, that one's amazing. I would recommend that to anyone. I mean, even dads I think could benefit from reading that book especially if they want to be involved in the birth. Um, And then Natural Childbirth the Bradley Way 
I loved it because there was actually diagrams in the book to show you like that your uterus has three different like, muscles and you know this is exactly what happens when you have a contraction and mm. um it went into really big detail about the three stages of labor um and how those are intrinsically connected to emotional stages you know like we know that when you're in transition you may not know that you're in transition physically but a really big sign of you being in transition is the i can't do this I'm never coming back again. Don't that was me. <laughs> so, um, and I think the natural childbirth, the Bradley way was also really good because it had portions in there about um, specifically for your coach. So like my husband was my coach. So when we were, when I was reading the book, I would read all of the other stuff and then I would have him read the stuff pertaining to like, if you're going to coach your wife during labor, these are some things that you need to know. And so it was also really good for him. Um, and then the only other thing that I think is so, so important, and you talk about it all the time on your page, and I highly, highly recommend is watching and listening to other people's birth stories, mm-hmm. specifically watching them. Like, I didn't know that there was tons and tons of um, vlogs for home births on YouTube, but there are. And it was so like empowering to me and it helped me prepare so much mentally to just see other women doing it and being fine. And I didn't really watch any videos in my first trimester because I was so sick. Um, but my third trimester, I swear, I was watching a home birth video daily, sometimes multiple <laughs> times a day. They truly, truly help. Like it, it is really incredible how empowering they can be and like just get you so pumped up. Like, I mean, I, when I was watching them, I just couldn't wait to do it. It's my turn. I can do this. Like I can do this, you know, (laughs) somebody record it. So somebody else can watch me later. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Gosh, you said like a lot of amazing and helpful thing. I think that there's a place for women once they listen to your story and all that you have recommended really with what you use to prepare yourself um i'm definitely going to link those three books in the description and grab them and if there's any i guess um off the top of your head or if not you can message me when we launch any specific like vlog or your youtube channel i'll link that if not no worries i feel like it's they're pretty easy to find if people just kind of videos but tell us where we can support you all that good stuff yeah so I am primarily on my uh, just my Instagram account it's mama for history and freedom Um, I am in the midst of you know creating a podcast Um, being a history major I love talking about all things history so I'm thinking about starting a podcast around that Um, yeah And truth be told, I think that, you know, there is something with God and the Holy Spirit pulling me toward the birth realm. I'm not exactly where or what that whole thing is. I'm just trying to follow it. And when things arise, I just have the opportunity to do it. But I am just so driven in wanting to tell women that your body is so perfectly capable of doing this. And the fear mongering goes to the OB field and telling women that you're not capable of birthing your baby 
be that we need to schedule you for an induction or we need to schedule you for a C-section. Um, it honestly makes me incredibly upset. I never really was even in the conversation of birth until I became pregnant. And then I was so focused on educating myself about home birth that I still wasn't really talking to other people about it. But ever since having Arthur, I, you know, almost try to spark that conversation with other women just to hear what their experiences are. And it is far too common that women get pregnant and they just immediately think, okay, I need to go get an OB and they go to an OB and it's just fear, fear, fear. I mean, they never mm. talk to you about a birth plan. They never talk to you about your options. And unfortunately, women just let themselves succumb to everything in the modern medicine world where they're just like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to relinquish everything to the doctors. They know what they're doing. I don't have to do anything else. And unfortunately, more often than not, it leads to women having very traumatized experiences and the doctors aren't there afterwards to help those women through those traumatizing experiences. They're just like, well, I got my money and, you know, and, and then they say the gaslighting things like, well, at least you and your baby are safe. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's not go down that path because I will freak out <laughs> so, for real. Like, but, oh my you know, gosh. I just want know that they have options and home birth isn't for everybody I totally understand that um, but I think that the more of us women who just talk about the changes that need to happen you know birth centers need to be made more available to women midwives need to be made more available to women doulas need to be made more available mm -hmm. to women mm -hmm. we need to really just I feel like as a society we just need to move away from the whole OB field in general when it comes to birth and let women know that you do have options and that you can trust your body and you can trust your baby because it very much is a process between the two of you. It's not just you, you know, labor is not just about the mom. Baby is also very much involved. Yes. So I think that just starting these conversations and, you know, for some women who have been through a traumatizing experience in birth, these conversations can be hard. But God forbid you have a daughter someday. Would you want her to go through that same experience as you just because you're not willing to talk about it or great point, not willing great to point, a different perspective? Um, yes. You know, for me, my birth was incredibly empowering. And if I ever have a daughter, I want her to know that if you are comfortable with a home birth, you know, I will support you 100 percent of the way. The going to a hospital is not your only option. And mm -hmm. so I just think opening that door to have these conversations more often is where we're going to start seeing the change or at least, you know, at least opening the conversation. Absolutely. And like I told you, I feel like you are perfect for this and keep following this path because I don't know, your job leading you there, women need it keep doing it keep sharing your story and keep talking about it get your podcast going i will also link your instagram so everyone can and you know maybe they have questions for you that they can ask you about home birth or this or that but keep doing it go for it thanks <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna keep cheering you up <laughs> yeah you know if anyone has questions i am more than willing to answer any of them and you know again I'm just here to offer what my experience was and the education that I've found 
you know, I would never push my experience on other people, but I just try to remind people that, you know, I'm just speaking from what my experience was. Um, and truthfully, I just, I really just want to help. I want women to know that they have other options and that they don't need to be fearful of something that we as women have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. Yes. Nailed it. Absolutely. Well, I really want to thank you for me and everyone who's listening and sharing your story and all those good things about yourself um, and being the first guest and doing your first podcast episode. And we'll have to keep a lookout for your podcast (laughs) as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for um, having me. I was so happy to talk to you about all of this and to answer any of your questions and, you know, just to our, our, you know, your, your podcast virginity of having a, a guest and my yes. podcast. <laughs> I love that so much. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode and podcast, please give it five stars. Thank you. Because of you guys, the listeners, I get to share this time, space and thank you once again to abigail and god bless everyone god